Stewart had a chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Jam-packed two hours to spend with you today on a Friday. Of course, we are on the cusp of game number five in the Stanley Cup final. The Colorado Avalanche looking to eliminate the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning with a win tonight. Colorado would win their third Stanley Cup in franchise history. With a loss, we go back to Tampa and the defending Stanley Cup champions live on to fight another game. I, I don't think either of those scenarios would come as much of a surprise. Colorado's been dominant their entire run through the playoffs, and Tampa, they're never out of a series until they're absolutely out of a series, until the final buzzer sounds and they lose game four. I'm going to believe, and I don't know about Chris Chapman, we'll get to it later on in the show, I'm going to believe that the Tampa Bay Lightning still have a chance. Until they are done, they have a chance. Until they are done, I would not be surprised. I would not be shocked. I would not be any bit surprised by the Tampa Bay Lightning coming back and making this a series, not just pushing it to six games, but pushing it back to seven. So we'll see what ends up happening tonight. We'll see where the Stanley Cup final goes from here and whether or not the Colorado Avalanche can get it done. We're also going to look at Barry Trotz. He's made a decision. So where is he coaching? Well, we'll get to that in a few minutes. We also have uh, one-timers. There's going to be some news about the Ottawa Senators. There's some news about Patrice Bergeron and the Boston Bruins. Kind of ruins my chaos theory for the Vegas Golden Knights. But hey, it is what it is. We'll wrap it up with catching up with Chapman. But first, we're going to get to more of your mailbag questions. On Monday this week, on Twitter, at RyanHockeyGuy, at Magnum702, I threw out the feelers for all of you. Drop your questions, drop your comments, drop the topics that you want us to discuss and get into a little bit more in-depth here on the program this week. We're going to do that again next week so that we can do our best to, to handle and talk about the, the aspects of the Golden Knights, the aspects of the NHL that you're really focused in on and you really want to get a handle on. So, without further ado, we're going to get into the rest of the mailbag questions for this week and then we'll look ahead to next week as well. So, Chabin, the first one that I want to, to get into is a fun one, right? Is it time, and this is a question that we received on the mailbag, is it time for the Golden Knights to change their goal song? As we know, it's got a local flair, it's Panic at the Disco. It really, to me, the song captures 
this team the essence of what it means to be at T-Mobile Arena when the Golden Knights score a goal. It's so synonymous with exuberance, with fun, with excitement surrounding this team that I, I just don't know that you want to go away from that. What do you say? Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I, I think it's a good it's a it's a good goal song. Like it, it, it really fits the go nights go and you know when you hear that song you kind of get pumped up a little bit. When when you hear that when you see the puck go in you 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 have that split second of anticipation where you know that that song is coming. It fits. I I would not be a a proponent of changing it. Um I I I, I like it. I think it fits. Although I will say, if they were going to change it, I I would like to see something more uh, in tune with like what the St. Louis Blues have. St. Louis Blues have a local band called the Urge, and if you're from that area, you, you you've probably heard of them. They're very localized. I actually really really like the band, so that's why I'm going to use them as an example. But they wrote the St. Louis Blues goal song specifically for a goal like it's not like a a, a track on one of their records or anything like that like they specifically Mm -hmm. were tasked by the st louis blues to write the goal song for the blues and it's simple but it's catchy and it it, it fits so if they were going to change the goal song i would suggest going out to maybe the killers or panic at the disco or or one of they already have a panic at the disco yeah yeah so maybe maybe it's already there now now here's the debate are the Killers mm-hmm. a bigger band than Panic at the Disco? Does it matter? Well, if if you're gonna move off that song, then maybe you go to a Killers song. Like I I I I think the Killers are are, and I I may get people yelling and screaming at me for saying this, <laughs> but I happen to like the Killers better than Panic at the Disco. I think I think they're better and I, and I think they're bigger. So if you could go to Brendan mm-hmm. Flowers, who who is hard hardcore. Vegas, right? Like you see him rocking UNLV jackets when sometimes when they're in concert. Okay. I would I would have the killers specifically write a song specifically for the Vegas Golden Knights. And and every time they score, you hear that song. And I I think sometimes it's good to refresh. I mean, I like the current song, so I'm not advocating for it to change, but if they were gonna change, mm-hmm. I'd like to see something yeah. something like customized. For, for for this city and, yeah. and for this for this goal for this team. Yeah, to me, like I'm not a let's change the goal song type of person. I think that you've got now five seasons, right? And it's established itself as a fundamental part of going to a Vegas Golden Knights home game, right? Like I understand that there are times where it can become stale. But usually that's because the Golden Knights are scoring a ton of goals and you're hearing it night after night after night. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but to me, like, if you were to find a moment where it's a different song, like if you go back to preseason year one, and I don't know, Chapman, if you can like remember back that far, but they were testing out different goal songs right yeah in that preseason they were testing out what they were going to have as the definitive goal song come year number one and to me 
Vegas Lights, the, the, the song that they ultimately decided on, like it was the marriage of exactly what you want in a goal song. It's sing-songy, you have a, a, an, an ability to chant Go Knights Go, even though that's not within the lyrics. Like, it's a local band. There's so many boxes that that checks off that, to me, I don't know that you're going to come close to a song capturing what that moment after a goal feels like in Vegas. Yeah. Because you've already got five years built in that you're just not like, if you change it, it's not necessarily going to be a a home run immediately. Like it's going to take time to get used to. And I I don't know that you want to have that, that strangeness or that, that uneasiness or it just to feel different when your team scores a goal. Like I genuinely am all for sticking with a goal song for a long time because of what it's done for Vegas, because of how how much the Golden Knights scored in the first couple of years of their existence, how much that is now ingrained in the the atmosphere of the building. I just think that it would it would leave a little bit on the table if you change that up right now. Yeah, I mean let let's be honest. There's only one team that I think absolutely has a better goal song than the Golden Knights, and that's Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, I don't think you can you 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 can do something better. Like, <laughs> you make my dreams come true by Hall and Oates. It, it, it's oh, believe me, believe me, fans are fans in Toronto are calling for the end. Of no, that song. no, because and, and you know what's worse? Yeah, no, they, they don't want it anymore. If if well, yeah. I, I I guess maybe because they've they're yet to win a series since it's been their goal song, but. <laughs> they'll probably screw it up and go with a Drake song, which would probably be even worse for them because, I mean, there's the, there's the curse of Drake. But, um, mm-hmm. no, I, 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 I think you're right. It captures the moment. You can sing along with it. It's it's just got like a, a very the, – the, the, the part of the song where they pick it up, it's just perfect. And when, when, it, when it plays for a long time, it's even a good listening song. Like you, you, mm-hmm. you can enjoy the song. It's a good song. I, I would say no, don't change it. But like I said, if you were going to, you, you'd really have to find a way to, to one up it because I, I, it's just so perfect for for everything that's involved. So, the only reason, or the only way that I would be open to changing the goal song is if the Golden Knights adopted something like what the Buffalo Sabres do with their goal songs. It's individual for the player. Like, if you have players that want certain songs to play when they score goals, I'm okay if you want to go that direction, but a a sweeping wholesale change to just switch out the song, that I'm not a fan of. If you want to change it up, I think you have to go the direction of each individual player gets his own goal song, (laughs) but that's the only... that's. Honestly, that's the only reason. That's the only way that I would advocate changing the goal song for the Golden Knights. But here, I do want to piggyback off this question because I think it's an interesting thought experiment. The Golden Knights entrance music, so to speak, is John Wick mode. It, it's, it gets the mood going. It gives you that vibe. It is quite a vibe, as Bruce Cassidy would say. Is it time to change that? Is it time to change their walk on skate on the ice music from John Wick mode to something else. I would say yes. I I, I think it is time to move on. Really? Yes. I'll I'll tell you why. When I went to, 
And, and and I want to get back to the individual players' goal songs because I just want to add. Okay. Based on what I know, Shea Theodore has on his like mix. I would want him to score fifty goals a season at T-Mobile Arena because I. I think he'd like to score fifty I, goals a season. I, I, at T-Mobile I just remember Arena. the conversation that he had with Jesse Granger about what's what his mix is and how all the guys in the locker room mm-hmm. wanted wanted a copy of his mix. I, I'm 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 totally on board if if that was what they decided with to to, to go with. Um, it, it would be interesting because I know that that Mark Andre Fleury one time told me on his way to T-Mobile Arena he would listen to like Marilyn Manson. So I wonder if like that would be. What, what his his song if he ever scored a goal, uh, you know. Getting back to the John Wick though, I think it's kind of run its course. Like it's been five years. I I, I think it's it's it might be time. Like I remember when when I went to Winnipeg, they used Metallica, and it was for whom the uh-huh. bell tolls, and it was just awesome watching that team come on the ice to for whom the bell tolls. I think you can get like. I'm sure, and I've never been to a game in Dallas, but I'm sure Dallas comes on to the ice to Pantera. Like, Walk mm-hmm. would be an incredible song to come on to the ice to. Like, I, I, I think there's better songs that you could do. I, I, I think we can't be afraid to make changes in some aspects. And I, I, I would say that John Wick, it's kind of run its course. Like, the whole way, bam, 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 it echoes through the arena. I would say change that and dump sweet golden knights and and you you you've already, you've already hit a home run. Like like even if you Listen, just dump sweet Chapman, golden knights, you and and I know Chapman, I know some gonna, people within the organization listen. I'm going to tell you this right now. That's not going I'm going to tell you this right now. Um if if you keep John Wick mode and you don't change the goal song but you do eliminate sweet golden knights, it's an absolute upgrade. Absolutely, yes, yes, that's, that's the win. That's the win right there. Keep, I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, I like, think that's a perfectly fine compromise. Keep the gold mm-hmm. song, keep John Wick, dump sweet golden knights. It's 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 been cringe since year one. Mm-hmm. Putting putting the yeah. lyrics like I like the 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 uh, what is it? Sweet Home Nevada is that the name of the song? That's terrible. Home means Nevada. Home means Nevada, right? It's terrible. I've I've lived here twenty three years and yep. don't know the state song. But I think Amazing. that that's perfect. That that's fine. Leave that. Mm-hmm. Sweet Golden Knights. You know who sings that? Is that the Killers? It is the Killers. Nice, nice. Like, first of all, Sweet Caroline is a Boston thing. It's a Boston Red Sox oh, this, thing. We're we're getting to your rant again about oh, Sweet Caroline. It's, it's, it's happening. Let them have it. Let them have it. Be original. Do something different. It's it's cringe. It's not funny. It's not you know, cute. It's cringe. You know, you know what I would do? I would just pick a, a random Neil Diamond song, right? Like, I would replace Sweet Caroline with any random Neil Diamond song. Doesn't matter which one. It, it doesn't matter if it's upbeat, downbeat. Doesn't matter. Just any odd-placed Neil Diamond song outside of Sweet Caroline would be awesome. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't know a ton of Neil Diamond songs. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't dislike Neil Diamond. I, I I'd be fine with that. Like I remember there was a uh, Saving Silverman. A whole if you've ever seen that movie, you know where I'm going. The entire premise of the movie was these guys, Jack Black and I think it was Stephen Dorff. They were 
<laughs> and 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 the just mm-hmm. Jason, who is a kid from American Pie? I can't remember his name. But they were they were like Jason Biggs. Jason Biggs. They were like a Neil Diamond cover band. So like uh, it, it's kind of cool. Neil Diamond is cool. Johnny Cash is cool, right? Like find something that's singable, but it doesn't have to be sweet. Caroline or Sweet Golden Nights or whatever. I hear that stupid song, not the Sweet Golden Nights version, but the Sweet this Caroline. Fantastic. At every single sporting event I go to, it's terrible. Be original. It's a Boston thing. And I can't stand Boston. I grew up rooting for New York teams. So anytime Boston has success, mm-hmm. I, I, I suffer. But let them have it. It's their oh, thing. Oh, Chapman. Chapman. Yeah. Chapman. Am I, am I getting killed? I'm about to say. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. I'm about to say something incredibly controversial. Uh, given, and it's Steven um, Zahn in, in Saving Silverman, by the way. That, that's going to probably ruffle some feathers. But you don't bring me fa- flowers by Neil Diamond, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand would be so funny given a former player that used to work here or used to play here. You don't bring me flowers. Just replace Sweet Caroline with You Don't Bring Me Flowers. I'm all about the the cringe. I'm all about the chaos that that would ensue and, and entail. Like, let's go. Let's put that in 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 the works. Let's get it going for next season inside T-Mobile Arena. I, I do want to jump back just real quick to the idea of individual player songs when they score. Um, which Golden Knight would have the Aquabats as as his goal song, like any Aquabat song. If you had to to pick one, not knowing what their real tastes are, but like if you were <laughs> if you were to go through the roster and say, "I've got that guy figured out. I think he's an Aquabats fan." Which one would it be? Uh, I could see Ben Hutton being an Aquabats okay. fan. Yeah. Because there, yeah, there is video of, of Ben Hutton singing Barbie Girl <laughs> at a karaoke bar. Yeah. So I could yeah, exactly. totally see Ben Hutton being fun and, and, and silly and using, like, Martian Girl as his goal song. Like, I'm all for it. Ben Hutton, to me, <laughs> he's the guy. He's the he's the guy who's probably listening to Skank and Pickle. He's the guy who's got some mm-hmm. less than Jake on the iPad. We even call it that. On, on his Spotify mix. That's the guy, Ben Hutton. I would, I, you know what? I hope we get in the locker room because I want to, I want to talk to Ben Hutton about his music taste now. That's, that's your goal for next season. Yes. Once we get back into the locker room, it's, it's trying to de- determine each individual player's likes and dislikes when it comes to music because that can go such a long way in not just, you know, stories, ideas, thought process throughout the year, uh, but it, it's a great way to build up that rapport. So I, I do uh, think someone would have someone would have Shania Twain because I, I can confirm and I will not so? I will not disclose who. But okay. one time I was in the locker room on a road game and Shania Twain was blasting in the room and I joked with this one particular player. I said, oh, is, is this your music? And he started laughing. He goes, man, this is blanking awesome. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So let's let's move off of the music because I mean I don't know you and I we can kind of go all day oh, yeah, when it comes to music yeah. and, and individual taste. Um, Rita is also not happy with me about you don't bring me flowers. Um, I'm not sure if it's only because of Marc Andre Fleury or if it's also because of Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. I'm not really sure. Uh, but this is this is an interesting topic that I wanted to get into and. 
it's relevant because ESPN is is on the cusp of of dropping I think one of these documentary series that you want to see if you're a hockey fan. It is going in depth into the rivalry between the Detroit Red Wings and the Colorado Avalanche, one of the most bitter, fiercest rivalries in the game. It was bloody, it was angry, it was emotional, and it had a little bit of everything, right? So if you could handpick a rival for the Golden Knights. Obviously, in today's NHL, it's not going to get to that level. You're not going to have line brawls. You're not going to have blood spilled all over the ice. Like That's not where the NHL is today. But if you could handpick a rival for the Golden Knights to have over the next three to five, five to seven years, who would it be and why? Well, I could tell you who it wouldn't be right now. San Jose is out. They suck. <laughs> it's done. That, that can, we, rival- can we put... Can, can we officially declare that rivalry done and over with? Yeah, like I, I know I know that not a major is going to continue to hurt for a long, long time, but when you have beaten San Jose as many times as the Golden Knights have over the last two seasons, I don't think there's any rivalry there at all. And now, more or less, all the major pieces, all the major players have moved on. Yeah, Pete DeMore's gone. I just don't gone. think yeah, it's important it, it, anymore. Yeah, it's, it's no longer... And, and who knows, maybe a couple years down the road it'll get reignited, but San Jose needs to, well, get better. Yeah, I, that's not happening. It's not going to be Edmonton because they have their Battle of Alberta. That I don't think anything can ever replace that. I don't think sure. it'll be Seattle because, they, quite frankly, they're they're just not very good. I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be Anaheim just because the, the history these two teams have when it comes to playing each other. The Golden Knights have absolutely dominated the Anaheim Ducks. I think that leaves me with really only a couple of options, and I'm going to go with a team that finished one spot ahead of the Golden Knights in the standings, a team that historically has been fairly even when it comes to the Golden Knights in terms of one-loss games, a team that they have met in the playoffs before, a team that has a villain, a team that's on the upswing, and a team that's only a four-hour drive away down I-15. I'm going to go with the L.A. Kings. I understand they've got a rivalry with the Ducks, but I think L.A. is is because I, I, I don't see L.A. going away. I think they're only going to get better. Mm-hmm. I, I think Tom McClellan's a, a, a decent coach, so I don't, I don't foresee them going backwards. Drew Doughty, absolute villain. It's it's hard to root against Kopitar. I like Kopitar. It's hard to root against Jonathan Quick. I, I, I like him, too. But I, I think the well, L.A. The LA Drew Kings, Doughty's a villain? Well, I, I, I think he... I like Drew Doughty. But I think it's easy for fan bases of <laughs> other teams to dislike Drew Doughty. Yeah. Like to me, Drew Doughty makes the game fun. Like the fact well, that the fact you, that he you he, said you said they have a villain. I'm I'm sitting here thinking you're talking about Brendan Lemieux and well, you're, Brendan you're talking Lemieux about absolutely Drew could, could could fit the mix. Yeah. Well, but, but Drew Doughty's a much better player than Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux's not not well, he's not at that right, level. But he's an agitator I, I for I, sure. Yeah, but but listen, like I think enough time has passed from year one where where Dowdy put out the comments and and the the playoff series where like the game. I don't not that one. Yeah, I don't view <laughs> Drew Dowdy as a villain. I drew I view Drew Dowdy as the type of player you want in today's game because he doesn't have a problem running his mouth and sometimes he doesn't back it up. And like that's the beauty <laughs> of Drew Dowdy, right? Is like ninety percent of the time Drew's gonna run his mouth. And he's going to back it up. 
90% of the time, Drew's going to go to the media, he's going to have his press conference, he's going to say something ridiculous, and it's going to be awesome for the game, and it's going to get people talking, and most of the time, he's going to back it up. Most of the time, he's going to be the best player on the ice. Before Drew Doughty got hurt last season, he was having a monster year, right? He was... He was the type of guy that was fueled by what, Chapman? Do you remember what Drew Doughty's goal was going into last season? He was sour that a lot of prognostications kept him off of Team Canada's Olympic roster. Yes, that's right. And he talked at length about, these guys don't know what they're talking about. They they don't they don't know how good I can be. They don't know that they don't they don't know that I'm done. I'm not done. Yeah, he went. Out I'm going to go it. out there and I'm going to be awesome. And what did he do? He went out there and he would have made Team Canada if they went to the Olympics. He would have. He was that oh, absolutely. Good. Yeah. So, so Drew Doughty with a live mic is phenomenal for the game of hockey. It's phenomenal for the game of hockey. Not just when he backs it up, but more so when he doesn't. <laughs> like, when you can project Drew Doughty being so wrong about the Golden Knights year one on the ice before a playoff game, it doesn't get any better than that. Come talk to me at the I, end I, of the season. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't view him as a villain. I view him as a guy that gets it. The, the media aspect of hockey, the, the personality aspect of having to market your players or wanting to market your players, to me, that would be really fun with this Vegas market. Like if the Golden Knights and the Kings can get a little bit of that hate going back and forth, if you can get Drew Doughty trying to get under the skin of Mark Stone trying to go at Jack Eichel, if you can get some of that friction going, it would be a really fun rivalry, but that's not where I would go. I think that you're on to something and I think that it makes the most sense to keep it in the Pacific Division, but I'm not keeping this in the Pacific Division at all. Oh. Because Generally speaking, if the Golden Knights are healthy, if I believe Bruce Cassidy is going to be able to do what he says he wants to do with this with this team, they're going to be the best team in the Pacific Division by a mile next season. They just are. They should be. They're yeah. just better, right? And so I don't care about the teams in the Pacific Division. The only thing I want to see, if the Golden Knights return to form, and they are among the elite in the NHL next season, and that window is there for two or three, three or four years, I don't care about any team in the Pacific Division. I care about the team that might just be the defending Stanley Cup champions for next year. That's the Colorado Avalanche. I want Jack Eichel going head-to-head with Nathan McKinnon and there being bad blood there. I want Kale McCarr and Alex Petrangelo going head-to-head and those guys really duking it out. I want to see the Colorado Avalanche at the height of their power and the Golden Knights at the height of their power. And it's not just games where there's a little bit of emotion. It's not just games where, where there's you know some bad blood. But there are games that have real implications for these teams and what they're doing in the playoffs. The fact that the Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche were 1-2 in the West Division, the Honda West Division, in the in the 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 shortened season was so fun because those were the two best teams in the regular season and every game that they played meant a little bit more if you can get that over the course of 82 if you can get that knowing that they're lining up for a date in the in the western conference final 
I want to see what two or three years of that, if they have to go through one another, I want to see what that does because you don't have to look very far. No, the I... Chicago Blackhawks and the Los Angeles Kings in 2013 and 2014, they had to go through one another, and it led to some of the most brilliant playoff hockey we have seen in a long time. I want that from Vegas, and I want that from Colorado. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. I, I, I actually like where you went with that. I mean, I was thinking more in, in the division. But, yeah, I, I, I think a fully healthy Vegas team should be able to, to compete with this Avalanche team. Like, I mean, I I think you're right. By far and away, a healthy team, especially if you take Johnny Goudreau away from Calgary, a fully healthy Vegas Golden Knights team is the best team in the Pacific Division. And and I think the 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 you you're right. You don't have to have an interdivision rivalry. You could have an interconference rivalry. And I I, I think we we we've seen that in the past where mm-hmm. where there's mm-hmm. rivalries within a conference. Like, I mean, Remember when the Washington Capitals finally got past the Pittsburgh Penguins? Just it was almost like it was their moment. You kind of knew it was going to be their moment, and I, I I think you're you're right. This would be big for hockey. It would be big for the West because you, you would have a team with superstars, and and the Colorado Avalanche absolutely have superstars. And if Nazem Kadri is is still a member of the Colorado Avalanche. He would be that agitator. He would be that guy who kind of stirs things up. I love the way he plays because I, I I think he plays on the edge, and I know a lot of people don't like him because they because he plays that way. But I don't look at him as a dirty player. But I think he's a guy who would stir things up, and and I think you kind of like that, especially in a playoff series. A guy who who will stir it up. I mean, a bit like David Perron does when he comes back here. He he kind of stirs things up. He he's the the the, the straw in the drink, so to speak for the St. Louis Blues, especially when, when they come and play the Golden Knights. I like that. I, I really like where you went with that, and, and I, I can't disagree with anything you said in regards to that. All right, we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back with two more mailbag questions that we want to make sure we get through before the end of the week, and then, like I said, we'll come back next week with a new round of mailbag questions answering your pressing topics. That's next on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. VGK Insider Show rolling right along here on a Friday afternoon. We've got a couple more of your mailbag questions. We're going to get into a funny stat with Corey Perry, I promise it's funny from the outside. Probably not to Corey Perry, but it is funny. It is funny from the outside. We're also going to dive a little bit deeper into Tampa and Colorado. Game five coming up in just about a half an hour. We've got one timers on the way. Barry Trotz news, all of that still to come here on the VGK Insider Show. But back to your mailbag questions, and these ones are a little bit more serious. I would I would say than the first two that we got into today. Uh, as they deal more with the Vegas Golden Knights, one on a a little bit more of an organizational macro level, and then uh, the second one is going to be a little bit more focused in on the actual roster, the actual team that the Golden Knights will have come next season. So, Chapman, the first question I'm going to pose to you, who do you think will take the biggest step forward for the Golden Knights next season? Not just within the big club, but 
the Henderson Silver Knights, the entire organization. It's open to everybody. But who do you think takes the biggest step to come next year? Hmm, that's that's a tough one. Um, I I I am expecting Brendan Brisson to really kind of emerge onto the scene. Whether or not he mm-hmm. he makes it with the big club, I, I I don't know if he's there yet. But if you base it, if you look at what he did in Henderson in the short time he was there, he excelled. Like he he was really really good in the time he was with the the the, the Silver Knights. Um, I thought he was really good at the Olympics for Team USA. Obviously, he had a really successful year at the University of Michigan. Um, fortunately, did not win the uh, the NCAA championship, but. I, I, I think when I factor in the entire organization, he's the guy I'm expecting to take the next step forward. I think he's the guy that the organization needs to take the next step forward because at some point you're you're going to have to start integrating your, your high draft picks into the roster and hope that they're successful. Um, the if, if I just strictly base it on the Golden Knights, I think William Carlson's going to have a bounce back here. I think he's a guy who's going to play really well in Cassidy's system. Um, I think he's going to have a little mm-hmm. bit, a little, little bit more creativity, which is what we want to see out of him. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that his production has kind of declined the last couple of years in an offense that really wasn't geared towards his strengths. So, I think organizationally, I'm going to go with Brisson, but I think on the on the big club, I think it's going to be Carlson. I think Carlson gets back to maybe not 43 goals. I mean, that's a big ask, but I think he he gets back to 20, 22 goals. And maybe that's not so a big enough step for it, it, people, but I, I think that's what he mm-hmm. is. I think that's what we need from him. So with Brendan Brisson, it's interesting because I I don't know that I view Brendan Brisson as a roster player for the Vegas Golden Knights come next year. However, the caveat to that is if Brendan Brisson is lighting up the AHL, then at some point you've got to make a determination as to whether or not you think he can help you come playoff time. And if you can, it's best to integrate young players throughout the regular season so that they have a baseline come playoff time. So I think there are avenues, there are ways, in a sense, to get Brendan Brisson from the AHL to the NHL in an expedited fashion. But that all depends on whether or not Brisson's able to dominate the AHL. And I think that's what has to happen for Brisson. Given where the Golden Knights are at, given the players that they have that are ahead of Brisson on the depth chart, I just think that he's going to have to be incredibly dominant in order for him to to break through at the NHL NHL level come next season. That doesn't mean it's not going to be great steps that he's taking in his career, but to me, it's somebody different, and it's somebody that's going to, I believe, have an impact on where the Golden Knights are this coming season, and it's Logan Thompson. To, to me, you can't really argue that it's going to be a step up for Logan Thompson because all he's done since becoming a professional is dominate where he's been. And I don't think that Logan's going to dominate the NHL, but I do think what Logan Thompson's going to be able to accomplish for the Golden Knights is free up some money in goaltending. If Thompson's able to replicate what he was able to do last season for the Golden Knights, and I think the argument can be made that with Bruce Cassidy's quote, goaltender-friendly system, that you can probably bank on that being a thing that happens, 
then all of a sudden the Golden Knights can find areas to minimize their cap in goaltending and spend it elsewhere. And so if Logan Thompson's able to be that bona fide NHL goaltender we all hope and expect him to be, then it becomes more cost-effective for the Golden Knights to take from that area and invest it or put it forward in, in another area up front, on defense, whatever the case may be. So in my estimation... If Logan Thompson continues to make the strides that he's been making over the last couple of seasons, and I see no real reason to believe that he's topped out in his development, then I, I think that that's going to provide the biggest impact for the Golden Knights come next season, and therefore is going to be the biggest reason why Vegas gets back to the level of competition and the level of play that we expect them to be. So in my estimation... I think the biggest step forward will be taken by Logan Thompson. It will be taken departmentally by the goaltending. And I think that's going to be the biggest strength for the Golden Knights going into next season that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about. I think goaltending for the Golden Knights is going to be phenomenal next year. Call me pie in the sky, that's fine. You want to call me Darren Millard in this moment, that's totally cool. But I think (laughs) goaltending for the Golden Knights is going to be a massive strength for them all next season because it's a department that has a lot to prove. Yeah, I I, I think obviously the, the best thing for this organization would be for Logan Thompson to, to take that next step and, and be a full-time NHL goalie. Not starter, obviously, but a guy who you can count on when you need him to play. Um, and, and, and I think in doing so, it, it helps them in that they can, they can make a move when it comes to trading away Loren Brossois, which obviously helps them in terms of freeing up cap space, which is something that's going to be a premium this season. I I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Logan. Um, he's gotten better every season. He's been a professional. So I, I, I wouldn't anticipate him taking a step back. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's imperative that whoever the backup is, is reliable. Because I think obviously you're not going to want to play Robin Leonard as much as as much as you've had to play other goalies in the past. Because I've, I, I I'm a big believer in when you can give your goalie a night off, you give him a night off, especially if you have a reliable backup. Because ultimately, at the end of the season, a fresh goalie is 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 much better than a goalie who's had a heavy heavy workload. So it it is important that whoever the number two is whether it's Logan Thompson or Loren Brassois, is good. And I don't mean mm-hmm. adequate. Like, I don't mean Miko Koskinen. I mean good. <laughs> you, 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 you almost, yeah. it sounds funny and it sounds cliche, but mm-hmm. Logan Thompson proved or he showed last year that he has the, he has the skill set to be a good goalie. Whether or not he's mm-hmm. a good backup is another story. We'll, we'll find out this season maybe. I think you're right. I, I I think that's that's a guy who definitely could help the organization tremendously if he plays at the level he did at, at the end of last season. All right, final mailbag question before we wrap it up here. Uh, top three players that will benefit this season from Bruce Cassidy's coaching and his system. So three Golden Knights players that you expect to have 
better years than they had last year or just three players you think are going to benefit the most from Bruce Cassidy? I know you already mentioned William Carlson, but do you have two others? Yeah, I I, I think uh, Alex Petrangelo is a guy who who Mm -hmm. I expect to have a, a, a really, really good season for this team. Um, if you look at the way Boston uh, played the last, the, the, especially on the power play, um, it's a guy who I think he's going to be a facilitator. So the goals may not be there on the power play. The same with Shea Theodore, right? Like the goals may not be there, but they're going to be guys who distribute the puck. He's going to play four forwards and one defenseman. That's that's the way it is. The other one, I think, I think, I think Jack Eichel. Like we saw how good Jack Eichel could be last year, but I think. You look at some of the goal scorers that Boston has had over the last three years, and, and the guy that jumps out at me is Pasternak, a guy with just an mm-hmm. insane ability to put the puck in the back of the net. I think we're going to see like 40, 45 goals, maybe 50 goals from Jack Eichel. I think he's going to benefit. Whoa. I, I, I know. Whoa. I know. I know. It, it's it's a lot. But this is a guy who who has the ability. Like the skill set is there for Jack Eichel to score that mm-hmm. many goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's definitely a point-of-game guy. And I could, I would not be shocked in the least if he ended up with 40, 45 goals. So I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I think that Jack Eichel is, is kind of the obvious one to look at if you're a Golden Knights fan because you know you hear Bruce Cassidy talk about the ways Jack's going to have to mold his game in order to play winning hockey. And and again. That's not necessarily a criticism of Jack Eichel. It's a simple fact that when you haven't played in the playoffs your entire NHL career, there are certain aspects of the game you have to focus more on to be successful when you get to the playoffs. And, you know, for Jack, I think that there was a lot in terms of his defending that he didn't get credit for because he was trying to do too much for the Golden Knights, which makes total sense. Because there was no one else in the lineup when Jack Eichel got into the lineup. He was mixing and melding and meshing with different line mates every single night. He didn't have Mark Stone. He didn't have Max Pacioretty. There were, it was an incomplete team, and Jack was expected to be the source of offense. He was expected to be a generation machine, and sometimes in order to do that, you've got to cheat the defense a little bit. With Bruce Cassidy, that's not going to be in the cards. It's, it's not going to be a thing where you can cheat the defensive side of the puck for offense. He talked about playing for the crest. He talked about all the different aspects that are going to have to meld into Jack's game. And I think what is going to end up happening is Jack Eichel will turn himself into a really, really good two-way center iceman. And, you know, when, do I think Jack Eichel is going to get to Patrice Berger on Selkie level? No, I don't. Because he's too offensively gifted, and I think the skill set's there and ingrained in him to trust his instincts that there will still be times where Jack's going to cheat the defense a little bit for offense. It's just going to happen. It's natural. But he's going to be a much better defensive player all around, and that's going to be good for his maturation. I think you're right, Chapman. Probably a point-of-game player, but I don't think much more than a point-of-game player. And I don't think that you need Jack Eichel to be hitting 100 points or 110 points or 120 points to be an impact on this Golden Knights team. So Jack Eichel is going to be interesting, not so much from the offensive production, but how much and how quickly does he 
embrace the defensive principles needed to play in Bruce Cassidy's system. And then when he's got the green light and the creativity in the offensive zone, how many opportunities is he able to bury? From there, I think William Carlson is an interesting one, but I'm 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 gonna pump the brakes on William Carlson for a minute. Like if I I, I do think that if there is a player that's going to benefit from a little bit more creativity in the offensive zone, it is gonna be William Carlson. But I'm going to go in a different direction in the same vein. Nick Waugh. And granted, I know that the contract has to get worked out, but Nick Waugh is in an interesting point in his career. Right? Nick Waugh is either going to be a career middle six forward, like he's either going to be a career third line center, or he's going to start pushing the envelope a little bit to be a top six center. That's where he is. That's his career crossroads right now. And there's nothing wrong with being a career third line center. It means you're a very, very good hockey player, but I get the sense that Nick Waugh wants to be a more impactful player up the lineup for the Golden Knights. And even even if he proves himself to be capable of second-line center minutes, he's only going to be a third-line center on this team, right? Because you've got Carlson, you've got Stevenson, you've got Eichel. And, and as much as you want to believe that Nick Waugh can push one of those guys, I don't know that it's there yet. But if he takes the appropriate steps and he gets better and better and better, then all of a sudden Nick Waugh, who has the defensive chops and the offensive touch, he can turn himself into one of the most valuable players on this team. We always bandied about the words X-Factor when talking about Alex Tuck. This summer and next season could be the year of Nick Waugh taking over that mantle that was left when Alex Tuck was traded for Jack Eichel. The Golden Knights could potentially have an X-factor in Nick Waugh, and if that's the case, they've just become a whole heck of a lot a lot harder to match up against and to play against. So that's going to be the one that I'm really focused in on. And then on the blue line, to me, it's Shea Theodore, and I don't feel like it's particularly close. I think Zach Whitecloud's going to continue to get better. But I I don't know that that's going to have anything or much to do with a system change from Bruce from Pete DeBoer to Bruce Cassidy. I just think Zach Whitecloud's a good hockey player, and he's going to continue to get better and better and better. Shea Theodore, to me, had a monster year last year. But when he's got the puck on his stick through the neutral zone and he's leading a rush, he is electric. And I know that it's going to be a little bit more conservative than what we've seen once in the offensive zone from the defenseman. But I think that helps out Shea Theodore because in the neutral zone, it's green light. And if Shea Theodore has a green light in the neutral zone, he's going to be able to lead rushes. He's going to be able to make plays. I don't think it's going to be a massive goal-scoring season, but the points will be there for Shea Theodore because he's going to have the green light where it matters most to his skill set, and that's carrying the puck through the neutral zone. So those are the three players for me. Yeah, I, I I think White Cloud is an interesting um, uh, a player to bring up because I I think we got to see a little bit more of his offensive game last mm-hmm. year. Yeah, I, I I just wonder if how how the minutes breakdown will come for him because I I, I think right now as as it stands you, you have to think he's what the fourth defenseman. Um, I don't know if he, if if if. Where, where you put Martinez in that conversation, but I, I have him as the, as the third best defenseman. So it'll be interesting to see where his minutes come from, how, how much is going to play on the kill 
Like I I I I think we'll we'll see Bruce Cassidy try to try to use what Pete DeBoer wanted to do, but he was he was unable to obviously because of the injuries. Where you're not using a lot of the same players on the kill as you are on on the power play, you you want guys as fresh as possible. So mm-hmm. I think White Cloud is really interesting because it's very clear he has an offensive upside, and he's obviously a very very good defenseman. I like I like a lot of his game. I'm going to be curious to see the the next step he takes because Nick Wah is a guy that that you mentioned the the Alex Tuck comparison. I I, I think that's a fair comparison. And I don't know how much stock we take in the shootout, but Nick Waugh is is a pretty creative guy himself. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he's shown when he gets into open space that he can do some pretty cool stuff with the puck. I wonder how much he's going to push Carlson for that number two center spot. Like, Bruce Cassidy isn't... What do you, Hold on, hold on. What do you mean number two? Where's Chandler Stevenson? Well, well, that's it. I mean, well, well, who, who, if, if, if that's the, that's, that's the whole thing though, because mm-hmm. Cassidy isn't beholden to anything that we've seen before. He's going to create his own lines. He's going to go with what he thinks gives this team the best chance to win. Whether or not that means we see the misfit line together, I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it'll I, be interesting. I, it, it is. It's, it's actually a really good problem to have because you have. I'd say five centers on this team because we're, we have to factor in Brett Howden as well. Sure. So I, yeah, I, I mean, there's I no, can't there's wait no to shortage. see where, where the chips fall. Like, like yeah, to me, no it, it's so of, exciting. No shortage of centers for the Golden Knights, and that's going to be the most interesting aspect of where and, and what direction they go in the offseason, as well as how Bruce Cassidy deploys his lineup. We're back with a quick wrap of hour number one before getting to hour number two right here on the VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number one, it was all about you, your questions about the Vegas Golden Knights, about hockey in general. Take a break now and look ahead to hour number two. We've got one-timers. We've got some information on Barry Trotz. We'll look at Patrice Bergeron. Has he made a decision? We'll find out in just a little bit. As well as Tampa and Colorado, game five. That puck drops in just about 15 minutes. We're going to dive deep into that on the other side of the break. It's the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.